Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Hi, it's uh, Ron Hutchinson here with uh, Mike Smith. Um, and we just wanted to come to talk to you about well, what I presume is a, is a new pandemic which seems to be facing the church at the moment. Um, there's a lot going on in the ways of people so interested in these conspiracy theories. And I think it's doing some damage to the church um, because we're so focused on it and it seems to be invading every aspect of life. Say hello, Mike, and let the guys know what you think. Yeah, sure. Hello, everyone. Mike here. Yeah, with Ron, um, our goal in this little uh, broadcast is not to take positions on any conspiracy theories, but really just to help us think through how we think things through. How do we live as Christians? Jesus called us to be light in dark places and leaven in lumps and all stuff like that. What does that look like in a world of alternate facts, um, conspiracies, unverifiable things, you know, claims made in retail, real time, stuff that goes viral very quickly without anything to support it, all that sort of stuff. So that's the sort of thing we really want to understand or, or just to think about how we live in a time like this and how we stop doing the damage that's going on. Ron, you saw an article on ABC recently that really just expressed where the mainstream is starting to see the church. Do you want to have a yarn about that for a sec? Yeah, well, it's really alarming when, you know, like the secular media picks up on the infighting of the church and how we're all at loggerheads and particularly fascinated with all these conspiracy theories. Um, that really set off alarm bells for myself. I guess one of the things is... I understand the interest in conspiracy theories, you know, um, particularly when things seem so out of control in today's society at the moment that to try and look for some sort of thread or some sort of reason to can give yourself comfort, you know, it'll, it'll try and almost make it feel like you've got some control over everything which is spinning out of control. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Look, I guess getting straight to it, the, the the biggest thing that strikes me in all of this is the number of Christians who are not acting like Christians in their life on the web and in politics and and society. Um, Ron, I'll, I'll rehearse these and you chip in and have a go at me if you need to, but Christians are people, now if we just take the New Testament seriously, Christians are people who resist factionalism the entire time. In fact, one of the fruit of the flesh, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is not present, is factions. So any mode of thinking or speech or discourse that is pushing us into more factionalized and isolated groups, in my view, is sub-Christian. That, that would be the first thing. That's really but interesting, that actually, because... Um when I was thinking about it, the, just the nature of a conspiracy theory, it's got this either um, mentality or life of its own, which is if you don't believe in this, then you're mm. either a victim or you're part of the conspiracy itself. Um, it, it is real poison which can flow through the church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and that, I think, is, you know, if, if we need a reason apart from God said, uh, that's got to be the reason why the New Testament is so anti that factional, venomous, thinking, you know. Now, now what you say about the opponents to my favourite conspiracy theory is, is right too. I think Jesus had something very strong to say about that. 
bless those who persecute you, pray for them. Um, when we cannot look to the other side of a political or social or economic debate or even a spiritual debate, when we can't look to the other side and bless people, frankly, love your enemies, when we can't bless, love and pray for these people, again, in my view, we're sub-Christian. When people are those who must be destroyed at whatever cost, when rage rises in us, I mean, is rage a fruit of the spirit of the flesh, I wonder? Um, you know, I read somewhere that the anger of men does not fulfill the purposes of God. Um, so that'd be number two for me. When we demonize people and make them our enemies, when we can't bless them any longer, when we can't see any value in them, um, again, I think we're sub-Christian. Yep. Um, what, what do you think, you know, uh, Christians are so uh, susceptible to this, you know? I, I kind of think, well, for one, our understanding of sin, you know, um, and that we're always trying to join the dots in Scripture or look for that hidden message. So I guess it's not hard for us to, for that to come over into other aspects of life. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I mean, I, I'd make it my business to have a look at some atheist sites and, you know, people who don't like us very much from time to time because if I'm going to bless and love people, I've got to at least know what they're saying. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the classic answer to that is why Christians so susceptible. You've got an imaginary friend in the sky. Um, you know, if you're that good at fantasy, yeah, go for any conspiracy theory you like. I mean, increasingly mainstream is the idea that we were stupid anyway and uh, we would fall for anything. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I guess you got, you know, um, we throw it around in church a lot. You know, Warner Augustine said um, that the, the Old Testament is concealed uh, sorry the new testament is concealed in the old testament and the old testament is revealed in the new testament um that's kind of saying you know it's like this dan brown kind of thing i guess if you you know the secular world grabbed hold of that idea it's not what we mean by it but there's all these hidden messages and stuff oh to be yeah nice look the church and look you've got to be honest with this the church has always had an apocalyptic um edge um, it's probably less strong now than it was in the earliest years. And we've always sounded a little bit weird, but I think we really do need to get back to where we're useful. You know, Jesus calls us, you know, what was the thing in uh, Paul? The times might be evil, but your life should redeem it. You know, yes. um, we should be redemptive in the world. Now, if our political and social thinking just pushes us off to the edges where people are laughing at us, and disinterested, I think we are, again, sub-Christian, out of line with the New Testament approach to things. When we can no longer leaven the lump, when we're seen as something toxic that nobody wants in their lump, um, whatever else is going on, we're wrong, okay? We're just out of the entire purpose of the kingdom of God. Um, when I first started going out to the fringes, I spoke to a, a great mentor of mine, said, mate, how do I stay orthodox and straight? if I'm not going to be in the mainstream of the church. <laughs> he said, hang out with heathens. They can spot bad religion at 40 paces. They will tell you. And I've taken that on board. When people who don't like Christianity tell me that I'm just sounding stupid, I shut up and listen. Because I should be sounding hopeful, peaceful, gentle, kind, intelligent. You know, the sons of Issachar in the Old Testament, I should understand the times and know how to speak in the debate with some value. Well, it was interesting, actually, um, 
last week when we had uh, your guys come over to the good side of town um, and I had the opportunity to chat to them, we were talking about um, one of the parables, the parable of the great banquet. And, and the line in that, which always sticks with me, is compel them to come in, compel. And we talked about <laughs> how, do you, you know, how do you compel people? It's not by um, you're wrong and I'm right and accusing people and throwing rubbish around the place, is it? It's sort of, you know, that's very counterproductive to what we're actually called to do. Well, again, look at, look at the praxis that Jesus recommends. They'll know you are my followers by your smart philosophical arguments and incredible social media presence. No, by your love. (laughs) Our praxis is always supposed to be what we do and how we live redemptively, not our big ideas. And that's, I think, one of the big faults of the Christian thing. It's all come down to what you believe and, and where you stand rather than how you live and what you do. And I think if we're going to be Jesus people, we need to get back to that a little bit more. And so while we're so interested in all the philosophy and big ideas, we are more prone to these stupid mistakes. And if we simply got down to loving people and trying to engage practically, grabbing the nearest edge of these big issues, you know, not not arguing about the philosophy of abortion, but finding, you know, women and men for whom that's an issue and loving on them, um, that's, I, I believe, more close to what we are called to do than to um, raise on Facebook. Amen, brother. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Um, you know, just by loving people where they are, there's so much can change opposed to trying to force change through argument. Um, ah, yeah. yeah, when we ask the politicians to make disciples, I think we've got something wrong. <laughs> yes. I think we, we were told to actually craft lives. Uh, actually, I want to come to a passage of Scripture in a minute about um, where politicians fit into things. The New Testament has a strong view on that. Hey, look, the other thing I just want to say, too, is in this whole conspiracy theory space, one of the names by which we worship God is the spirit of truth. And now I know there's a whole lot behind that, but the, the, at the end of the day, there's got to be some simplicity in this that just says truth means verifiable, evidence-based, data-driven fact. And I guess one of the things I want to say to, now particularly to fringe people, I mean, this is me and Ron, we're talking to you. This is not trying to, you know, seed the whole church. This is just saying within fringe you know, we who are elders sort of want to say this. Always look, please, for the evidence base. Um, if those who were at the Barack conference recently heard me giving some quite interesting examples of where what Christians bang on about is actually going to create the exact opposite of what we want because we're, we're jumping at three-word slogans and not at research, rigour, thinking it through, looking at what has happened as things have happened, what happened as other things have happened. So just this whole business, we we worship the spirit of truth. When we start to get into untested stuff that's going to affect our relationships, affect our culture, affect our mind, you know, what did Paul say? He said, we spend our lives casting down proud imaginations, proud vaporware, stuff that's got nothing to it. We cast that down. And, and I think there's a whole lot of stuff out there now that would fit under the general category the New Testament calls proud imaginations. Paul said you've got to pull those things down. You've got to come at them with, with truth. And I sort of wish, I hope very much that in Fringe we won't fall to the emotional knee-jerk reaction for a good, well-delivered three-line thing or a lie that's been told a hundred times, but that we'll actually do a little bit more rigorous work 
and say, but is it true? Well, yeah, at, at Fringe, you know, we challenge the guys, you know, to challenge us to, um, you know, don't, yeah. don't take what we say for, you know, gospel, pardon the pun, um, but um, to, uh, you know, look into it yourselves, come up to your own conclusions, ask questions, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, dive into these things. But interesting, what you were saying, the um, other thing which... Um, came to me was uh, revelations. I guess you're talking about conspiracy theories. That's going to come into it somewhere. But um, <laughs> in, in revelations, there's a part where, where it's like God's saying, you know, this is only for you to know. You know, it's the secret knowledge mm. between us. And that, that happens. And maybe some of this stuff might come true, but perhaps it's it's that kind of thing, you know, that this is for you to know, but not the rest of the world. So just shut up and sit on it, will you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your mission to the rest of the world isn't a mission to the rest of the world. Go and love them. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, I, I don't know, just interesting side, I guess. Yeah. Uh, hey, can I can I just drop one other thought in? Please, just the, one. Um, Is that it? Just, well, just just one, and then I'm going to read that Romans passage I was yeah. talking to you about before. Um, I love the way John, First John, describes the Antichrist. It's a spirit that was among us and went out. And I can see, now this is my opinion of a lot of things, and obviously we're not going to get into any particular theories or situations, but there are things I see going on in church world now that in my view are almost antichrist. They started off as Christian stuff, but they just started to deviate a little. They went out from us, but they deviated away from that heartbeat of love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, transformation, redemption, hope, all that stuff, and they become this self-righteous, we want to hold control, we are not here to leaven the lump, we're here to own the lump and to rule, you know, and and I think we're in very dangerous country there because that's what the book of Revelation and First John describe as the spirit of Antichrist. problem with Antichrist isn't that he's the exact opposite of Jesus. problem is he looks so much like Jesus that you can confuse him, and, and that's my big concern right now is that I'm even hearing some stuff I would, you know, that's promulgated as Christian preaching that from my point of view is yeah, so far off the mark as far as what the overall testimony of the scriptures is and the heartbeat of love that is Christ, you know, and again, I don't want to name any names for fear of getting it grossly wrong, but I reckon the Antichrist is alive and well in some of this and we should take a big deep breath and just, again, think it through in light of truth, in light of results in light of love in light of does this affect people or does this just make us look like idiots and uh, yeah well, well i guess um before you you get to your scripture um i, I just want to just think like for me a lot of this comes back to the garden of eden as well you know um there was this incredible thing happened you know we we're told to eat from any tree but this one but we take it upon ourselves to to, to think that we know better or that, that our knowledge is somehow, you know, yeah. to, to grasp knowledge is this powerful, important thing. And we do things sometimes, even with these conspiracy theories and stuff, I think where we've, we've got the best of intentions to enlighten people about what's going on or, or to... But we're doing the same thing we did in the Eden. You know, with the best of intentions, we're screwing up. And look what happened there, you know. You end up uh, yeah. living a life in shame and realising you're naked, you know. Um, but, but I think there's very, very strong parallels with the 
the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and um, this stuff we're talking about, you know, um, wow. where we That's do things thing. for the best of intentions, but it all it does is screw things up and put rifts through the church and um, yeah, oh, yeah. causes so much damage. Oh, well, the, the problem with the Garden of Eden stories is everybody thinks they happened a long time ago. <laughs> Still There's a story yeah. in my life. I don't know how you're going, but I, I know what it's like to screw up in every way. They screwed up right through the first eleven chapters of Genesis, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's very current. Um, yeah. I think I think it's Isaiah twenty six. Uh, you will keep a perfect peace. Is that the one? Whose oh. whose mind is uh, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in yeah. you. You know, and we've got to think about that. Is um, you know, our, our role is to to focus on God and to focus on Christ and all this, um, I think the, the theological term is bullshit, which is out there. Um, <laughs> th- th- we don't focus on that too much and we're actually focusing on Christ. Oh, look, that's... Okay, so look, this is the punchline for me, is right there. We've been invited and given the privilege of joining the kingdom of God. So look, fringe brothers and sisters, what I, what I want to say to you is this, never be embarrassed or ashamed of being a Christian, no matter how stupid turkeys around you might look or how extreme they sound or how right or left wing they become it doesn't matter you have been called to participate in this kingdom we have an emperor we have a system of government we have a bunch of principles and we are the ambassadors of a world that hasn't arrived yet so let's get on with living like that we are in this world to represent christ and, you know, Jesus didn't say, blessed are you when you are at peace and all as well. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, you're going to have to get out there and hustle this through to work out what has to happen. You've got to have a voice in the debate. It's really important. That's leavening the lump. Yeah. But we're the citizens of the kingdom. Let's not get ashamed of that. And to all, anybody who has listened this far and doesn't like as much, I guess you're probably not listening by now, but look, Get over the idea that the idea is to get rid of religion. That if we if we could just imagine there's no heaven, you know, no hell to fear below us, so, you know, all that garbage. Get over that. Religion is always going to be part of the game. Always has been. Always will be. It's built into who we are. If you like, there must be some tremendous evolutionary advantage to it because we all do it. And the solution to bad religion is not the absence of religion. It's good religion. And fringe guys, we have to learn good religion. Stuff, you know, what matters is faith that makes its power felt through love. That's the religion we've got to serve. This constant pulse of the power, love, and redemption of God. And, and don't be ashamed of yourselves. Be proud of who you are. Don't even be challenged and, and frightened when you see idiots in the name of Christ doing things that are just unbelievable the solution is not fighting bad religion the solution is doing good religion well um, you triggered me there honestly <laughs> um, because one <laughs> of the things I I do it myself you know um, I don't have the intention of but it happens and and I've been pulling the guys up talking to a few of them this week about how e- easy it is to start uh, saying other churches you know they're doing this or they're doing that um, but the best way about it is to dance your own rhythm, you know, to, to lead by example, to do something different, not, you know, yeah. replicate the poison, but just do something different. Um, we need to stop oh, focusing yeah. on that stuff and just start doing what we meant to, you know. Um, as you said, you know, uh, we represent Christ wherever we go. Um, I, I always think, you know, it's not so much about what you say, but it's it's that 
light which comes from you when you're doing that. And the, the follow-up to that is always be ready to give a response to why you've got that faith, why you live with that joy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. it, it's not uh, difficult stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the old story. They don't build statues to critics. <laughs> we, can, yeah. we can sit around here arguing with people and promoting our ideas, or we can get out and build that thing we're supposed to build. And uh, for those of you in Fringe, you know exactly what it is that we're supposed to build. So let's get on with that. Yeah. And, and you know, in terms of being citizens and part of society at this time, let's just be aware that the same rules that would apply in a conversation with someone we were trying to provide pastoral care for or to evangelise, those same rules of appropriateness, of grace, of hope, of love apply when we're on Facebook, when we're in social debate, whatever, we just got to be Christians. Yeah, yeah well, we, that seems to go out the window very quickly on Facebook with the debates I'm seeing. Um, you it put really anything does. up and, oh boy, you cop it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm worried that I've been copping out lately. I've just been blocking idiots rather than, um, than engaging with them. Uh, you know, I think there's an element sometimes almost of putting pearls before swine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, look anyway, I think, you know, that's not a bad way to respond to half this stuff. Just, you know, bow out. Um, yeah, particularly if, you, way, if yeah. you can't, you know, come to the point where it's like, uh, yeah, we get to that victim mentality and that argument so quick instead of, you know, treating each other like gentlemen and with respect. It's okay to have differences oh, yeah. of opinion, you know. Um, Absolutely. But respect each other in that. And if our unity in Christ means that we can't hang out together because what we think of some politician in another country or um, the science of vaccination or um, whether the earth is flat or whatever, if we can't continue to love one another because the biggest thing in our lives is the presence of Jesus, we have not got a snowball's hope of making any transformation in the world. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. hey, let me let me get to this Romans. Yeah, this is great. Now, look, the New Testament has has every reason to be very ambivalent about the Roman Empire, um, and I'm actually doing a big series on the Book of Revelation now, where that stuff gets unpacked. The interesting thing is how little resistance to uh, an evil empire the Christians were told to offer. Jesus, you know, if someone comes to you and says, "Look, carry my pack for a kilometer, give him another kilometer for free," you know. If he wants your shirt, give him a bit more. It's all good. You know, just just knuckle down and get on with, you know, the Beatitudes and stuff like that. Now, the Christians had every reason to form a political resistance group and to take knives and weapons and fight. This is actually what they said. Now, this was a regime that, remember, at times hurt them very badly, killed them. <laughs> uh, we're in Romans 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. <laughs> Let everyone be subject the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> yep. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against that authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of one in authority? Then do what's right, you won't be condemned. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. 
But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers don't bear the sword for no reason. They're God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. That's why you should pay taxes. The authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. If revenue, pay it. If respect, give respect. If honour, then give honour. And he goes on, but no debt remain outstanding, so on and on. Names a few of the commandments and said, all of the commandments are summed up in this one. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. Now, I just think we are in this world where we are encouraged to distrust everything, question everything, you know, where the individual is the all-important unit of society. And look, it's a pendulum. There's an element of that that is, of course, true. But the overall picture here is trust the system. Now, this is a system that was betraying the church. They still said, you're going to have to trust it. You're going to look up for your redemption to God, and you've got to leave history to him. You, I love, where is it down there in verse 10? You get on with the important business of loving people. It's um, yeah, we'd, yeah. it'd be great to spend an hour and a half unpacking that and getting the balances right and giving all the caveats. Oh, well, but just, you that's know, what the Bible says. The time period that that's said, you know, it's... Um... They were burning Christians, you know, to, to yeah. shine lights in the streets. They were making candles of us, you know. Um, all these yeah. horrific things were going on, and yet we're told to accept them and just love people. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's, it's almost like God thought that he was a very powerful person and that his spirit could, in fact, achieve things if we would only forget about ourselves, take up our cross, follow Jesus, and love not our own lives, even unto death. If we would do that, he can look after the rest. Yeah. It's sort of freaky stuff. Yeah. 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 No. Um, and Well, that, that's a measure of faith in my book too. You know, it's, it's kind of like uh, at the end of the day, we know it's defeated. We know it's won. We, we're, we've come yeah. through the battle. Um, all the other stuff in the meantime, all these conspiracy theories or whatever's going on, at the end of the day, we've won. Relax. <laughs> exactly. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Yeah. Not your social media presence, yes. your yeah. faith. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. um, yeah. Hey, hey, sorry. Yeah, just one. Uh, you know, just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. I mean, <laughs> I should imagine if you'd have gone to somebody in the time of Nixon and said the president is, you know, doing this, this, this and this, you would have most people saying, oh, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. You know, there are some far out things that do need to be asked. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. And, and look, there are conspiracy knew. theories until they're proven true. And, you know, there, there was, <laughs> there's been quite a few around the place. Not to say that everything, which is a conspiracy no. theory. Oh, no, 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 no. I, you know. I really don't want to give air to, because I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I actually no, no, I do believe that most people, especially those who exactly like Paul says in Romans, give themselves to public office. A fair think I'm trying to do the, the right thing. I've got to say this. I have never met a politician who didn't start off with the right motivation. Start off. Like get corrupted yes. as they go. Yeah. But, but, you know, these are people of good heart who had a political view of how, I mean, all good politicians in Australia anyway, share a vision of justice and hope and wealth, you know. It's just how we go about it. 
uh, and they just get corrupted by the, the wretchedness of what goes on in, in human society. Um, I actually do believe that, and I think you know the courts, by and large, you know the political system, by and large, even the bureaucracy, by and large, and this is a man who sold the business because bureaucracy got out of hand, you know, by and large it works in Australia. And, um, and I don't want to give air to conspiracy theories in saying that, but equally, I don't want to say, you know, if someone says something, you know, just, just ignore it out of hand. You know, that's wrong too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but let's walk gently and humbly and quietly and all this. Yeah. Oh, I, um, okay, quite hard question. We might have to cut this one off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so what if, what if things are going pear-shaped? What if, what if you're in, um, I don't know, one of these countries where, yes, there is some pretty horrific stuff going on? Um, as a Christian, how do you respond to that? Uh, look, there are, there are competing values in the kingdom of God. There's a value of justice, um, and there's a value of forgiveness. There's a value of standing up for the little guy, there's a value of um, not resisting the evil man. And un unfortunately, um, in those situations, I believe people must pray, um, think biblically, and then decide what to do. And, uh, you know, I'm not there. I do not live under persecution. I do not. Look, the church is being ignored. The church is being scoffed and mocked. In no sense is the church being persecuted in this country, no. you know. So I'm not going to look to my brothers and sisters in these difficult places who, for the sake of survival, have fallen into a resistance mode. Yeah. I, I can't judge them. I, uh, can't. Well, well, I wasn't even going there. I was just thinking of, say, um, uh, okay, example, um, Rwanda or something. If you were over there when all the crisis broke out, you know, um, <clears throat> and you're caught in the middle of a bloody coup kind of thing, you know, um, <clears throat> Oh, what would you do? You know, you, you kind of—it's oh. that paradox of um, yes, loving people but helping and saving people, and, and you know. Yeah. Oh, and and when you are forced to choose who is right and who is wrong, sometimes you've actually got to choose. So you know, I mean, yeah, you're right. This is this is probably a different conversation for a different day. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, that that's the hard thing. So yeah, I don't want to be all passive about this, but. But I think we could afford to be a lot more passive than we are in our environment. Now, passivity doesn't mean just checking out. Passivity means working on the big issues as they affect people's lives. And where they don't affect people's lives, trying to just pop the pressure and get it out so they can get on with what is their lives, you know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>